Hello, nerds, and welcome to the Sons of Comics podcast. We have a great episode for you today. We are doing a review of the recently released or premiered movie of Ant-Man. Um, it has been a long time in coming. It's been, uh, been in the works for quite a while, had a few changes in the uh, direction of the film, and finally, it's on screen and out in theaters. And each one of us, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. I've got Scott Hill and Gabe on the line. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello. So each of us took the opportunity to go and see it, and now we are going to give it our, well, I guess our sign of either approval or disapproval, depending on how you feel about it. Uh, let's go around and give our first impressions. Uh, Scott, first impressions. My first impression was, though it was kind of like uneven in a lot of ways, it made me laugh harder than any other marvel film and that's saying something i agree <laughs> so much laughs gabe what about you uh, i enjoyed it mostly for the comedy that's enough said <laughs> my only because well i mean if you read if you read the actual story in the comic book series of ant-man you have to admit it's pretty boring you know it's just a doctor who can shrink himself and then you know he uses his mind knowing that he can manipulate physics in his favor that that's is about it that is true it can get kind of dry although i think scott made a really good point last time we were on the podcast doing our pre-review of the movie where he said that um a lot of the science behind what he can do with that power is kind of the fun i guess of ant-man like how he uses the ability to shrink yeah, is kind of the yeah. is kind of the but, the big point. But the problem is, and to give Gabe credit, they hardly ever use that science in the comics, at least as far as I've seen. It's true. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to stand by that statement because I never read Ant-Man comics, so I could be totally lying. But I'm <laughs> supposing they never use that, and if they did, my foot will go into my mouth and we'll get a picture. <laughs> well, no, you're. I mean, no, you're. No, it's. It, it's it's safe to say that both both accusations are true because I've read some of the comments and like um, sometimes the illustrators or the pencilers how they call them they they forget there's they keep forgetting to to make the comparable size of Ant Man so sometimes in the comics will be you'll see that you know when Ant Man shrinks you know he's he's size of an ant but sometimes the illustrators forget that so they'll draw him actual size to his background and you're thinking wait what and so <laughs> when you sit there and read through it um you know it's it, it loses it loses that physics aspect that readers are supposed to keep in mind because the illustrators already lost already lost the concept midway through the drawing and they're thinking oh well how do we fix this and so, so that's have they you know have they pay a little more attention then you could you can actually use the physics concepts more as you read through it.
It is now. Oh, <laughs> so for those of you listening, um, Skype sucks. It sucks a lot. It's wonderful in many ways because we can talk with each other, but it sucks because it keeps losing our calls while we're in the middle of recording. I do have to give um, some credit, though, to the way, like, you know what Gabe was saying about them not really doing him justice when he's in his small state? In that the movie, they really, they really focused did. on that. They really pulled together. Um, even though I'm more of a practical effects guy, that's one of the reasons I actually liked the uh, the Thomas Jane Punisher movie and Ray Stevenson movie is for the practical effects because they're all stuff you can really see in real life. Um, I Even though most of it was CG, um, I still really enjoyed uh, seeing him in the small state, like in the tunnels with the ants, I enjoyed uh, seeing him flying around on Antony, and I just thought all of that was was really really fun. And then especially when he's like falling through the cracks of the house or the motel that he's living at was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, all of it was pretty well put together, and I think that that made up for a lot of what Gabe mentioned being um, difficult to deal with in the comics. Somewhere in my brain, there is a five-year-old that loved to watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And and whether (laughs) intentionally or unintentionally, this was the superhero version of that, and I couldn't be happier than it is. You know what? As I think about it now, that thought had occurred to me too. Like, while I was watching it, I was like, this somehow takes me back to watching a movie with Rick Moranis and watching watching Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And it was very reminiscent of that. And I, 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 I... I, the kid and me enjoyed that too, so I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. I think the one of the things that I think is makes the movie pretty successful because I think because yeah, the comics can be kind of dry, and I think when it comes to the character of Hank Pym, even though I think he could, he he's actually a more complex character than people give him credit for, and he could be a very interesting character. Um, in in creative writing classes that I've taken, I've heard some people say uh, that one of the best things you can do to a story is to have a main character who has no business being in that story. So, for instance, say you have like a detective story, somebody trying to catch a murderer. It's like, which sounds more interesting to you without any other details? So, a murder has happened, and a cop shows up as part of their job, figures out this murder has happened and now has to catch the killer. Or, you know, a murder has happened. And some guy who was just walking down the street, minding his own business, saw it happen. And now he's got to do something about it. He can't He can't just let that be. Which one? Or he gets framed for it and he has to prove yeah, yeah. himself that he didn't do uh, it. Which one sets your imagination off more? No, well, the, the, the latter. Yeah, the latter. And when you look at it that way, Hank Pym is a scientist messing with particles who shrinks down versus Scott Lang, who's a con artist who doesn't even Reform deal criminal. with science whatsoever, happens to get wrapped up in particles that shrink him down. I did like the fact that 
he may be a reformed criminal, but he's not an idiot. You yeah. know, he's a he's got a master's in electrical engineering, which is pretty cool. I mean, that's that's not an easy degree. I mean, uh, Gabe here, he's studying chemical engineering, and by no means any engineering degree, uh, if I'm right, Gabe is is no easy feat. So yeah. try telling that to the cast of try telling that to the cast of uh, of uh, Big Bang Theory. Oh, that's so true. They they harp on him so that's much, so and I'm like, come on, guys, come on. Just get, at least he's he's productive. I mean, he does things with his degree that are important. Yeah. I mean, he worked for NASA, even though he's a total skis or whatnot. At least he was doing important <laughs> yeah, things. Like they weren't. De- I know, I know, and we won't go there right now, even though I love that show. I do. Um, <laughs> and I, that show is like no full people, of nerddom. I know people who get up and pitchforks about mentioning that we like that show just because they think they think that joke is like offensive to geeks as if geeks were a oh my gosh anyway that will have to be discussion for another time getting another time absolutely back to ant-man um i super enjoyed the villain of the story like for a villain like him who's pretty you know, unknown to most people, are rarely even you know a big character in I guess the comics. Even he, he really hit me. Like he had this really strong psychotic strain in him that really got to me. I and I really liked it. I liked the fact of how dangerous he is, and he just kind of he he straddled the border of being somehow like insane and calm about it the whole time and then he just like full went full-blown you know psychopath by the end of the movie and it just it just made it for me i really liked the villain i don't know about you guys i i thought the villain i thought he worked but i he didn't hit me the way that everyone like because i've heard tons of people say that what how much of a breath of fresh air that he felt like to them because you know marvel's villains sometimes actually tend to be on the less compelling side well yeah my expect my expectations were like super low for the villain he was just gonna be some scientist and he's like you're not gonna stop me and that would be it but he was he, he i don't did, know he, he did, just felt he a told, lot more like that. he had he did he had a lot of complexity but for some reason he's still like for me and this is just i can't put my finger on why but he didn't I think he he didn't quite click with me in the way that, and I know I'm in the minority here saying this, but the way that Ronan the Accuser clicked with me. Yeah, Ronan was pretty, he was pretty heavy. But Um, I've heard a lot of people say that he was like very one note. I'm like, no, because see, the thing about Ronan is that he was a religious fanatic. And having met a number of religious fanatics... They they are they can be scarily one note one you know what I mean it's like they they only care about their mission or something like that and so it makes them devoted yeah yeah exactly it makes them devoted and so I think I think uh, with people being less religious now they they don't quite get it whereas or like it just doesn't they they can't relate and so to them it's just like oh he seems like a one-note villain but for me like ronin was the perfect example of just someone who's a total fanatic 
and is consistently choosing to uphold only that. Whereas Darren Cross, um, I don't know, it, it kind of felt like he was he was complex, and he made the and he totally worked, but I I feel like there was a little too much that made me pity him more than I feared him. Does that make sense? You know, well here's. I want Gabe's opinion, but before I before I ask him, I just I think I know one of the reasons why I liked him so much is because he has the 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 um how how do I how do I put this uh he has the damaged goods um damaged goods protege behind him and as you as most of our listeners probably know by now you and I are both huge Jason Todd Red Hood fans yeah. And and I feel like that always comes back to, into play because a a protege that goes wild is almost as dangerous as any other villain that a hero can come up against. You know, sometimes. So I think I have Jason Todd issues, like I have mommy issues or something like that. That, that makes sense. <laughs> and yeah, see, so. I never see. I like Jason Todd as a character, um, but like I think. I, I like him as a character just because I think he's, like, a really good twist on the character, and, and they did a good job of... I liked the way they brought him back and everything, but... Dude, I loved him in Arkham Knight. I saw clips of him in Arkham Knight, and I was just like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know that I ever really relate to Red Hood. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's some characters where it's like, wow, I relate to them. And there's some where it's like, okay, I don't relate to you, but you're still just an excellent character, and I can appreciate you, and... And maybe that's why Darren Cross didn't like click for me because you're right. Like Darren Cross has that same sense of a protege gone bad, and I can't relate to that because I never really had a mentor. <laughs> or, or a I think I only say that because I only think I only say that just because I'm a huge Jason Todd fan, and it's not that I actually have those issues. It's just like I'm such a huge Jason Todd fan that that pushed me to like Darren Cross as a villain. But anyway. Uh, Gabe, what was your take on on Darren Cross? Darren Cross? Well, hmm. tough question. Uh, I mean, just the actor himself, he did a great job. But like, as far as the story goes, uh, kind of think who else have I seen where one of your strongest villains is a hero's protege? Um, Man, I know, I know there's countless out there. That's probably why I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't too impressed with, with that part of the story. It was more like something I'd expect in this type of story. Because with, I mean, like I said, with, you know, Dr. Penn being able to make that breakthrough with, with, um, uh, with Particles, you know, it's like the best, the, the really, the only villain that would suit the story would be someone he's teaching or passing on his secrets to and then they just turn it against him otherwise you know compared to compared to let's say um you know if you think about the fantastic four you know the relationship between dr doom and reed richards you know that they they were research buddies at one point from before before they were affected by that on their mission and you know the way that story played out, they ended up, you know, now they're arch nemesis. Um, you know, if you were to compare the two, uh, <clears throat> in my opinion, it was, you know, it's like that. 
the fact that he had a protege gone bad is really the only thing that would fit. Other other than the fact that I guess you could could make something similar like like they did with Fantastic Four between uh, Mr. Fantastic and Doctor Doom, where at some point um, instead of having a protege, Doctor Pym had like a you know just another research research buddy that he worked he worked on. Yeah, I guess I can see what you mean, and like that that's a good contrast. And I think I think the other thing that I, I thought of that made me realize um, when you when you cut Darren Cross down to like um, Steve, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, we lost Gabe again. Freaking Skype. Anyway, uh, just keep going. Anyway, so um, but like when you kind of refine Darren Cross down, he basically. He's evil because daddy issues. And yeah, exactly. And we already got that with Loki. Maybe that's just a Marvel thing, it, you know. It, they just It's uh, not just a Marvel thing. It's an everything thing. That, that's a Steven Spielberg thing. It's kind of a cliche. Oh, it's an Oedipus thing too. And and maybe that's another reason why he didn't click with me cuz I actually have daddy issues and I can tell you firsthand that daddy issues doesn't make you want to destroy the world. Well, I'm going to segue here, and I want to segue into... Reverb? Segue into... Yeah. I want to segue into one of the things that I really liked about... um, Well, one of the emotional parts of this show was... I'm a father of two. Oh. And so, you know, with with his whole relationship with his daughter, that actually hit hit me pretty hard, because... You know, I'm a dad, and I, I get it, and there was nothing I wouldn't do for my kids. And um, for once, Marvel really got to me. Like, normally, Marvel movies don't push me that far. Like, they get me close, but never that far. Like, to almost have a tear moment, that was that was my, like, tear-up moment, was, like, when he, when he goes subatomic for his daughter, and he, you know, he does everything, and he makes that sacrifice for her. It was... I love the fact that he uh, made the ultimate sacrifice for his daughter, and he was just willing to do anything for her, and it's the way that I feel, and so that gave me the feels, but rarely does Marvel do a movie that, like, can get me to that point. Um, Any other movie that's done that has usually been, like, a a DC movie, because I just think DC movies are more compelling and they have more impact than Marvel movies usually do, and that's just my own personal thing. But I don't know. I yeah, Marvel, I know because all of us here are more fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're more fun. They like to make but, light of the no, light I, of life. I I think one of the things too that I really liked also was the way that the um, the stepdad was not made out to be the bad guy either. That is true. That like that I think that really speaks to a lot of people as well. Where you know there's. Uh, because like I I when my dad got remarried, um, even though I've you know had issues with my dad and his wife, like they they put they sacrificed a lot to raise us kids, and so like I thought it was really really cool and important to show that as a step parent that guy cared about that girl just as you know to a comparative degree that Scott Lang cared about his daughter. Yeah, because yeah, I'm a stepdad too. Because one of my one of my two kids is my stepdaughter, and I love oh. her very much. So I mean, when oh. when I when I got married to my wife, uh, I beca- I was an instant dad even from the time we were dating, 
and I knew I wanted to be in her life. So I totally get, you know, a lot of the situation here, and it it, it uh, really rang true with me, especially. And also, Gabe here, he's a father as well. So, I mean, I don't know how that worked out for you, Gabe, but, you know, do you want to <laughs> share? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, because when you peel back the layers of the movie, and you peel back the action, and you peel back um, a lot of the jokes, and look at what you have left... You look at all the relationships in the movie, and this movie is pretty much all about family because there's the relationship between between Hank and between um, Scott Lang. There's the relationship between Hope and her father. There's the relationship between you know Hope and Scott and Scott and his daughter. This this is just full of family relationships and trying to prove a point well, that brotherly- you know. There's the brotherly relationship between Scott and his ex-con friends, like they. Luis. Yeah. Oh, forget. Oh my I, gosh, I never he stole his the name, show. But the actor Michael Pena, yeah, dude, like he, he stole the show. He seriously yeah, did. My favorite movie with him, next to Shooter. You know, he was yeah. he was so freaking good. It was it was. I love, too, how, like, in the flashbacks, how the people who were talking were matching. Were, his voice. They were lip-syncing. Or they were being dubbed his by voice. him. Like, yeah, well, no, like, the way that they, like, matched even his pauses and his ums and ahs and everything, they had to have filmed him first. And then on set, played his voice, and the person, like, lip-synced to it like a song. Like, I, that's... You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of what it seems like they did, and it was just so funny. Uh, it was like, <laughs> you guys ever heard of Drunk History? It's something on Funny or Die? Yeah. Uh-uh, I haven't heard of Yeah, it was, like, it was like one of those, where, you know, you, you get this comedian pissed drunk, and they start talking about some event in history, and then they get professional actors to reenact what they're saying, and the actors will talk along to what they're saying, and in the most dramatic way possible, mouthing what this drunk person is saying. Huh. And that they did that in this movie, and it was funny. That's awesome. <laughs> did you guys feel like this was a heist movie? Because they kept saying that it was, but I did not get that impression. Like, I felt like they focused a lot more on other aspects of Ant-Man rather than focusing on the fact that they were doing a heist. Um, it was a... I think it was a heist movie in in uh, letter, but in spirit, it was it, it had its heart somewhere else. But yeah, yeah, it was still a heist film. <laughs> I just yeah. didn't it just didn't carry that that you know Italian job feel or that Ocean's Eleven yeah. feel. It just didn't yeah. it didn't you know because normally they kind of do that exposition thing where they kind of run you through every detail of the, of the plan constantly throughout the movie, and this really just didn't have it. Although it it did took it took an awesome detour when they had the Falcon fight at the Avengers oh facility, gosh. and I was just so happy when that happened. I just loved it. Anything I, that Anthony Mackie, anytime you just bring in Anthony Mackie, is you made the right choice. I loved <laughs> I loved the fact that he took him down, though. I mean, the fact that Ant Man could take him down, even though Anthony Mackie, you know, he's former special forces, former special ops, whatever. He still got taken down by a guy who only basically learned how to fight in, I don't know how long, maybe a month. 
and and you learn how to use a suit in that short time which really gives a credit to the character of scott lang and his ability to adapt to situations and to use his brain so yeah that whole sequence just had perfect comic timing with the whole like it's okay i don't think he can see me i can see you like hi i'm scott did he just say did he just say i'm hi hi, i'm scott (laughs) please tell me he didn't just say that and whatever you do do not tell cap about this (laughs) that's right that was it was great that that was great which me i'm now totally looking forward to civil war because in the stinger after the credits oh yeah i you know they're hinting toward the fact that ant-man's going to be brought into civil war which I have to say though, that stinger though felt like so tonally different. Like, you know, I mean, we've been having a upbeat, funny movie the entire time, and then all of a sudden, like, you wait till all the credits are over, and you get to this scene from Captain America: Civil War, and it's like ultra it's like, serious. Whoa. Yeah, it, it, it felt like a DC movie wandered into a Marvel film. Seriously, did you see how dark and like creepy that facility was that they were walking into? It was like yeah, a. The color, color. I was yeah. waiting for the Punisher to walk in and drill a hole through somebody's head. <laughs> and then Captain America... Oh my gosh! And then Captain America would have told him to get out, and then that would have been a direct scene from, from the, Civil from War. Civil War. That should have happened. Gosh, man. Why didn't we write the movie? I don't gosh, know. Probably it. because we're not professional screenwriters and we may not have done that good of a job. Yeah, I guess you're right. Nah, you probably could... We're just not professionals. Some, <laughs> some dreams are just meant now to Now I'm die. thinking we totally should. We should, like, come up with our own, like, home video version of, like, us and really cheap uh, paper masks and stuff like that. You but know, you know armor. that Civil yeah. War is going to be nowhere near, like, as close to the comics as any of us hope it could be because, you know, that we haven't been introduced to so many characters that... You know, we, well, we we would want to per- see, but anyway, yeah. Personally, I'm glad that it won't be that close to the comic because I, yeah. You know, we already captured these opinions previously. True. But I I felt the comic itself was like a waste of good potential. So the fact that they're taking the concept and doing their own thing makes me happy. But that has nothing to do with Ant Man. No. Let's get back on point. Yeah, back to <laughs> Ant Man. Um. Oh, what else? on such tans. Who starts these tangents too? It's Gosh. usually me. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I just have so many things to say. <laughs> oh my God. Um. So. What, yeah. What was everyone's individual favorite moment from the film? Uh, Gabe, let's start with you. You're, you're the quietest of all of them. <laughs> yes. Yes, Gabe. Tell us. That is true. I am quiet for a reason. Um. I guess, honestly, my <laughs> favorite part was Dr. Pym sitting there giving that uh, motivational slash dramatic speech to uh, Scott. And he's just standing there staring at him, and at the end he's like, dang, that was a great speech. <laughs> and the look on Dr. Pym's face is like, were you listening? <laughs> I just love how every time it's, it, it, I mean, the the relationship between Hank and Scott, it's like it's like a father it's like a father son relationship. 
Now, how many times have your dad tell you something like, wait, what? Or you're not listening and dad's all like, did you even hear what I say? I said, and you're thinking, crap, you cut off. <laughs> and, even, and then, I guess, next to that was, uh, towards the end when... Oh, no, you only get one. You only get one. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Scott, your turn. Uh, my turn? Yeah, your um, turn, Scott. Three words. Hank Pym's keychain. Oh, that was oh. pretty awesome. <laughs> For, um... I don't know. Are we trying to be spoiler-free in this? Well, too bad. No, no, Hank just go Pym for has it. A keychain of a tank, and it turns out that's not just a keychain of a of a tank. It's a tank shrunk down, and he makes it big, and it crashes out of the building, and he and Hope escape the building, and I was dying with laughter. I was like, anytime, anytime, anytime that the hero looks at a dire situation and says the answer is a tank I love you that's that was although, my favorite. although I have to say though that I felt like when when the cop when the, the stepdad cop was like and there's a tank I was like why do I feel like you're pulling that from from Batman begins I, I just I, I it kind of like threw me off a little bit I was like okay the tank thing's cool just don't have the cop that the cop say, and there's a tank because then I'm gonna think about Batman Begins and you're gonna make me equate this movie have with, to with that. on what's going on. Well, I know, but it, 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 it was just like it was cookie cuttered straight from Batman Begins because there's a cop in a car who says, and it's a black tank, you know, and then you have Steve, another cop. Steve, don't steal my dreams. That moment was great. Okay, it was okay. an awesome moment. It was just a piece of the moment that I <laughs> that I, I, I didn't fully agree with. <laughs> but I loved it. It was super freaking cool. Like, whenever they use yeah. the, the shrinking or growing science, you know, what this thing makes this thing <laughs> For big. Gags. For gags? For gags? Oh, it was hilarious. Like, the lawn gnome? Oh, my yeah. gosh, that was hilarious. You know, he's like, Hank, wants you outside for target practice. And then they, like, are throwing those little discs at things, and I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. It was it was perfect. Yeah. It was uh, yeah. It was made for it, you know. And I, I don't know. For my moment, um, I don't know. The movie had so many great ones, it's so hard to choose. I mean, there's either a great action moment or there's a moment that made me laugh, like, so freaking hard. Um, and to take my pick, I guess I'll, I'll go for action uh, for action moment, um, gosh, um, any time that he, I guess I'm gonna have to go for the Falcon fight, because the Falcon fight was my favorite fighting moment of the movie, but for my favorite, my favorite laughing moment has to be when he's in the van with Luis, and he's like, how's your girl, and he's like, oh, she left me, and then my mom died, and my dad got deported, but I got the van though. Oh, <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. It was just like that, that was a, I don't know. It was just it's such a great icebreaker, yeah. you know, part of an icebreaker for a move for a great movie, you know, so many great yeah. moments. So perfect introduction to that. <laughs> so let's let's move on to kind of the last bit of the movie. I want to just go into a, go into a rating, and I want you to tell me a movie like a marvel movie that it was better than and then a movie that it was worse than to kind of you know level it 
So, Gabe, you first. Um. Hello, are you still there? Yeah, yeah I'm here. I think. I'm here. Give me a sec. Hey, you guys. Yeah. We're here. Okay, go. Wait, what was it that you said? We didn't hear your. We didn't hear what you wanted us to say. Oh. You cut out. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to basically rank the movie, and I, and how I want you to do it is say a movie that – a Marvel movie that it was better than and a Marvel movie that it was worse than to kind of put it in perspective. Okay. Go. Uh, you go first, Scott. Gabe first. <laughs> no, I don't want to go first. <laughs> Gabe, Gabe, you go Steve, first. Steve, this was your idea. You go first. Um, it was better to me than guardians of the galaxy but it wasn't it wasn't quite as good as cap winter soldier winter soldier all right that's me oh damn Gabe, you Gabe. spoke next. You're up. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. It was, it was better than X-Men 3. <laughs> Man, how low are you going? <laughs> yeah, I mean, X-Men 3 was just a... was just a cluster, and then you could fill, fill in the last one with the effort, but... Yeah, it was better, better than X-Men 3, but it wasn't as good as, I was actually going to say Captain, the first Captain America movie. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know that I necessarily agree with, well, hey, obviously it's better than X-Men 3, but I was, I was underwhelmed by the first Captain America movie, so I'll put. Yeah, me too. Um, I'll say that it was it was better than Thor. But what? I, Which one? The first one. The it was a okay. million times better than the second one because the second one blew. Um, <laughs> but it was better than Thor. But I'm sorry, I don't think it was as good as Guardians of the Galaxy. That one's my favorite. That's funny. Yeah, well, for me, like, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Super funny. It was really well done. But I, I, this just, this one just gripped me more personally. And that kind of put it over the top, I guess. Just yeah. for me personally. I'm an emotional guy. I, I have lots of feelings. <laughs> I see that. I, I think, did we talk previously about how, like, Guardians of the Galaxy was the one movie that, like, gave me the feels yeah it gave you the feels yeah and it's because it played into that whole like this is a group of outsiders and this is like the first time they've been able to feel like they're a part of something and i relate to that yeah we did Uh, yeah we talked about that in the uh well in our in our other podcast that i haven't put up yet because it got broken anyway but yeah but let's see i'll I'll do another one too um one one uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go I'll, ahead. I'll, I'll go let ahead. I'll let you have another. You, all right, we can all have two if you want. If you want to, if you want, if you want to go again, go for it. Go ahead, Cypress. Uh, um, <laughs> I'll just say that it was as good, uh, slightly different than. It's not a better than, worse than. It's an, it was as good 
as the first Iron Man film. Mm. Wow, that's a good one. I think people over... I think people, like... It's grown so much that I think people have basically just forgotten about the first Iron Man movie and how how good that was when it came out and how, like, what a surprise how good it was when it came out. Well, you have to also put it in perspective because Iron Man 1, well, the first Iron Man movie, was the first of Marvel's uh, Phase 1 of their own studios producing live-action movies, and they had to, like, do something great, and they really did. Yeah. They really did it with Iron Man 1, and that just started the whole thing where Marvel movies are just the... They're the town pariah. They're they they carry a lot of weight. Like anybody can Did go you see say the any town pariah. Marvel... Well, they're not the pariah. They're they're yeah, more like. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> no, it's they're 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 known amongst everybody for having just great movies altogether. Like you can go see a Marvel movie and not be disappointed. Like you won't be disappointed. It may not be your favorite movie, but you won't be disappointed. Yeah. Unless so. you just hate superheroes. Unless you hate superheroes and you're a total, you know, yeah. git. You know. I, I have a friend who, he's actually a very good friend, but this is the one source of constant source of strife, which is I cannot for the life of me get him to see Guardians of the Galaxy, which I know he would like, simply because it's related to Marvel and superheroes and all that nonsense that he does, just doesn't want any part in. That's so sad. I know. It, it, it's extreme. He, he's he's purposely closed-minded, and it, it's frustrating to me. He's just one of those people that probably goes home and cries in his bed all night because he just doesn't know why he doesn't like superheroes. No, I guarantee that he doesn't because his girlfriend's pretty hot. Oh, that's probably why. Snap. Oh, <laughs> would she uh, would she cut it off if he uh, you know? Let himself get folded into superheroes and nerd in. Most likely. Tell you right now. Poor. Mm, no, Poor guy. I don't think she. Yeah. I. That. She's got his priorities. The Lorena Bobbitt? Wait a second. What? <laughs> no, I, I meant cut the relationship. Oh, cut, cut the relationship. I thought you were talking about something else, like that too. No, that too. That could happen. You know, there are there are worse things in this world than not liking superheroes and getting your junk cut off. So getting it thrown out the window of a moving car. It's like I can just see that now. It's like it's like, tell me you like a superhero or I'm snipping. That's I gotta let it go. Man. I can't. I can't say no to Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, sad now, story. now I'm imagining Jack Sparrow. You're not a eunuch, are you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I I really really liked Ant Man. Um, it exceeded my expectations. Um, I knew it would be good, but I didn't know I would like it that much. And I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, casting was really done well. I thought the story was great. Um, it really came together in all ways. I mean, there wasn't, there was no lulls in the movie for me. It was just all kind of, it was all kind of high emotion, high intensity for me. It just followed a really good um, train of, of thought and uh, of action for me, and I really liked it. So a train of thought, like. 
like a Thomas oh, and Friends to... train, like that type of yeah. train. Yes, that train, the one that, yes. the one that exited that the house. roof of that house. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so. I, I will say that it actually met my expectations because even though I was like slightly skeptical, I n- I don't think I ever really. I I I was never. It never would have been a surprise to me that this would have been good because Marvel's track record. So, it it didn't exceed any of my expectations except in the fact for the fact of just how funny it was. Like I was not expecting really it to be as laugh out loud funny as it was. Everything else, I'm like, yeah, I could have seen. I I, I could I could have expected it to be this good, but the way that I it just had me like once the tr- once the tank keychain moment happened it seemed like from then on out it was just killing it left and right you know right down to Darren Cross being like I'm gonna incinerate you and then the iPod voice like now playing incineration <laughs> I loved it it was great so yeah anyway Gabe Gabe, final thoughts? Final thoughts? Um, let's just say that the comedy was a stroke of the stroke of genius on Marvel's part to save the story. Otherwise, a lot of people would be like, uh, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But other than that, other than that they, they put it out real well because they knew, I mean, like I said before, it, it's a dry story without the comedy probably fall asleep even though it's a comic but other than that without that comedy to bring you know to bring it all in that's most likely what, what everyone wants you know they want it they want that that uh they want that shock factor that makes them either happy or laugh you know that gives them that good feeling and so marvel marvel did a good job on that so i was so i liked it well you heard it there you have it Ant-Man was a great film, and uh, I'd like to thank all our listeners out there and encourage you to go see the movie for yourself. It's Tell been us what out you for think. several weeks. If you haven't seen it, seriously, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you want to talk? How long did it take you to see it, Scott? What? <laughs> it, it took me... Um, it was not even a week, because I didn't see it that weekend, but I did see it the following Wednesday before it was a full week, so... Back off. Well, and you, well, all of you better be ready because Fantastic Four is coming out this week, and we have another podcast to do coming up. So get off your butts and get on the streets. That one I agree of. I'm not gonna lie. That one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I would love. I would love. For oh, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. Solid film, but yeah. Oh, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. I'm not putting, like, all of my hopes and dreams into it, but I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt that they'll they'll try and redeem themselves from the last set that they did. Yeah, that that, that about, yeah, I'm about the same boat. (laughs) I just wish they would give their rights back to Marvel, because Marvel's going to do it right. They always do. Yeah, I Um, I Other film companies just aren't cutting it these days. They're just not doing it the justice that they deserve, so. No, just put too much politics in it. I, I just want Marvel to have the rights to Silver Surfer and Galactus again. Like, seriously, for the love of Stan Lee. And yes, I just said that with a straight face. But just give them back 
their two most their two coolest cosmic characters for crying out loud. Oh, and the scroll and Spider Man. They need to have the scrolls and just oh, like, oh the scrolls, yes. Like honest, I I'm one of those ones where I actually like the X Men well, being the, separate. They got the Kree. They don't have the scrolls. Yeah, but I I I'm one of those ones where I I like I actually like the X Men being separate from the rest of the. Marvel Universe, but you the Marvel Universe has to have the Fantastic Four just because they're well, yeah, there are they are talking crossover now. Yeah, yeah, like they are talking crossover now. So I mean, we can we can probably look forward to that. Wait, who's talking crossover Um, with the Fantastic Four? The X Men. Fantastic Four and X Men are talking crossover. Oh yeah, but I mean, since when have they had a compelling crossover? That's not a thing. They would have to have a really good story. But fantastic either way marvel seriously just, just give them back i think they marvel. should all come back to marvel <laughs> i don't think that anybody's done fantastic four and complain about that the way we are spider-man oh my gosh don't get me started spiders. <laughs> yeah we'll we'll save that for another time anyway please check us out on facebook youtube itunes write us a review share with us your thoughts And we will see you next week. Thank you very much. Good night.